0: authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit that is matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 19 and coming at you from the from the lone star state
1: of Texas.
0: It is Bridge Radio, <laughs> we're back with another edition, and uh, I'm excited to do this uh, this podcast because what is it about, Steve, that we're going to be discussing today?
2: Baptism, baby. <laughs>
0: literally, literally the last part, baptizing babies. That's right. More specifically, we have on Dr. Guy Richard, and uh, his book is called Baptism Answers to Common Questions. Uh, it's by uh, Reformation Trust, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm really excited. To to bring him on, Uh, I think Pedo baptism was something that was foreign and strange to me at first until I met Steve and he gave me a book called
2: Baptized Him. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
0: he gave me a book called uh, To a Thousand Generations and I read it and uh, it was by Douglas Wilson.
2: Yeah,
0: and uh, completely rocked my world and I got a little taste of covenantal theology and uh, and actually the the argumentation for paido baptism, and I went from being a credo Baptist, which means uh, believers, believers baptism, yep. to uh, to now holding to Pedo baptism, uh, a lot stronger. But what what are your thoughts, Abe, on, I'm a, on this.
1: Uh, I'm on the credo side, guys. Credo, yeah, credo, but side. Did I say cradle?
0: <laughs> the cradle side?
1: You're, Did I say cradle? So you're with oh, yeah. Yes, yes. yes <laughs> credo baptism. That's he's a, a new one. He's a we cradle baptism. I'm a cradle Baptist.
0: But 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 it's been yeah. really cool to kind of. See that discussion between Abe and I, Steve, Abe and I, because yeah. we obviously know it's not anything that is yeah gonna affect our salvation or anything. It's a secondary, yeah. Yeah. secondary thing that that we would uh, discuss. So
1: yeah, and uh, you know Johnny Mac and uh, RC Sprows had a pretty really good uh, debate
2: on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely well, opposite sides of the aisle, aisle, but our yes,
1: brothers and really good friends and but if you guys ever get an opportunity to see that i hear that debate yeah uh, go out and recommend it I yeah i it. would so.
0: i think too this is going to be a, a cool podcast because what i want people to see also um is the is, is Pedo baptism is so much different from the Pedo baptism of roman catholicism yes mm-hmm. so we're probably going to be talking about that but just a quick quick just in case we don't we don't believe baptism uh cleanses an infant from their original sin. Mm-hmm. So that's something, the, the Protestant uh, uh, view of paedo-baptism, that's just not it. So, yeah. you know, and I di- think
2: that's that's an important point because there are a lot of misconceptions about what infant baptism is, is about yes. from a Protestant perspective. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, looking forward to clearing away some of those misperceptions. Mm-hmm
0: yeah anyway guys if you're new to the program we are bridge ministries we usually chit chat before we do the interview so if you just want to like hit that kind of fast forward button you could do that but uh uh but, but stick around for the discussion eh so yeah. um we are a new reformed uh, uh podcast that just dropped we're we're bridge ministries we are a non reformed christian bookstore teaching ministry and coffee shop out of the great state of texas in, in that texas. order in, in that order literally yes. in that order so and this is our podcast we like to uh, uh well we consider ourselves theology nerds so we yeah. bring on all these authors to uh talk to talk with them because yeah. we like to and then also too, to talk about books and promote their
2: books so yeah and because we believe reading is super important we do super important
0: i didn't become i didn't start like start really reading until i became a christian so i think we could all say that oh so. yeah I, I cannot not read yeah <laughs> so no,
1: yeah i I wish i had more time and more discipline though in my in my reading yes mm-hmm. there's just uh like I know, Steve, you you have like six, seven books that you're reading at the same time little by little on your desk.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's a stack.
1: It's actually, it, keeps gotten, growing, yeah. it, it grows and then it fluctuates. Yeah. Yeah, so
2: that's pretty impressive. Eventually, I move it back into my office because I get sick of looking at it on my desk. <laughs> I don't have any room to work. That's e- everybody
0: should get on the R.C. Sproul program of reading when you go to sleep at 8 and wake up at 4 a.m. and do all your reading and devotional. I started doing that, and it's very beneficial, and you're probably the most awake and most alert. Yeah. So it's it's good. It's good. It's awesome. Anyway, all right, all right Abe and Steve, are you ready to start this interview let's here? Let's do it. Start, let's, let's get it going. Start talking a little, little bit about paino baptism Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, so our guest, Dr. Guy Richard, is Executive Director and Assistant Professor of Systematic Theology at Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta. He previously served as Senior Minister of the First Presbyterian Church in Gulfport, Mississippi. He has been teaching at RTS since 2010. And thank you, Dr. Richard, for joining Bridge Radio today.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
0: So I was a little, I was a little struggling pronouncing that yeah. last name. It's, it's it's a little awkward for me. But uh, <laughs> we 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 talked recently, and uh, I called you Doctor Richard. But it's actually pronounced different. Where, where, where does that the pronunciation come from?
3: Well, you know, I actually respond to almost anything. So uh, you know, <laughs> in one sense, it, it doesn't matter what you call me. Uh, but the name is actually pronounced Richard. Uh, and it is very French. My ancestors, many, many generations ago, came over from France to the Newfoundland area, Nova mm. Scotia area, mm, sure. and then down from there to Southern Louisiana uh, in probably the eighteenth century somewhere in there. So we've uh, my, I grew up in South Louisiana, and my whole family has been in South Louisiana for for generations.
1: really. Wow, wow. well, we oui, we. Oui.
4: Yeah,
3: we, uh, <laughs> I was like, why didn't you say that? I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Well, my grandmother, in fact, interesting story. My grandmother spoke French to us growing up. Wow. And, and she would discipline us in French. <laughs> uh, and so we got to know all the words that, you know, would tell us to, to behave or not do that. She'd tell us fait passer or ferme la bouche, uh, you mm. know, things like that. Mm. Uh, be quiet, you know, things like that. So.
1: Wow. Wow, that's, that's awesome. So
0: is, is French your second language?
3: Uh, no. <laughs> okay. uh-huh. um, uh, in terms of spoken languages, uh, French is probably as close as it comes okay. uh, to a language that, that is still spoken today that I know. Uh, I know Latin better than I know French, mm. and I know Greek and Hebrew better than I know French. Oh, wow. uh, but, uh, but I do know French better than any other uh, language mm. that's still living.
1: Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, well, it's a beautiful language for sure. Yeah, it is.
0: All right, so I have been reading your book, Baptism. Answers to common questions, and just to kind of, kind of let us know or let you know where we stand. Um, uh, Steve, the president, is uh, is reformed, so he holds Cepeto baptism. Mm-hmm. He gave me a book when I was a Credo Baptist Mm. and I turned Pado Baptist. Mm. And then Abrillo over here. I'm, I'm, yeah. I I called
1: it Credo, but I called it Cradle earlier. (laughs) (laughs) So he's really with us. Yeah. And Steve was like, you're really with us with (laughs) that.
0: Yeah. 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 We're pulling him. We're pulling him in. So I, I, but just to say, I've been really uh, thoroughly enjoying your book. And so you, you write uh, interestingly in the book, uh, quote, even a topic as difficult as predestination might be easier to explain than baptism. So why, why, why is that?
3: Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, and uh, really, the, the, the idea for the book and, and uh, that sentence as well came from an experience as pastor uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi. I was in uh, pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Gulfport, Mississippi for twelve almost 12 years. And it seemed like almost every week, new, new visitors to the church would come through and meet me on the way out after a service on a Sunday morning. And they'd usually ask me one of two questions they'd either ask me about predestination and it would go something like this they'd say uh you're presbyterian you believe in predestination Hmm. tell me about that you know or so why do you believe in predestination (laughs) uh or they would ask me about baptism and specifically they were wondering about why we baptize uh, our 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 children Uh, and so that that was it seemed like every person almost it seemed like over the course of many years was asking me one of the two questions. Wow. And so I, I felt like I, I, I kind of had a good handle on how to approach uh, those two questions. And as I thought about how to answer those two questions as quickly and yet as, as accurately as I could, um, I realized that, you know, I think in, in many respects the, the predestination question is easier. Because I got to the point where I could tell people, I would just say, you know, they would look at me, they'd tell me, "Oh, you're Presbyterian, you believe in predestination," and I would say, "You do too,"
4: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and their eyes, their eyes would get big, and they would tell me, "Oh, no, no, I'm not, pre- I'm not Presbyterian, I don't believe in that," and I say, "Well, do you believe your Bible?" Mm-hmm. and they'd say, "Yeah, we do," and I said, "Well, then you believe in predestination." Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a matter of not a matter of whether you believe in predestination. The question is. What do you believe predestination is? What do you mean? What do you believe it's all about?
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Because the word is in Scripture, and so we have to do something with with that. Absolutely. And so I I got to the point where I realized, you know, I could give I could give someone who was genuinely searching, I could give them Romans nine, you know, or Ephesians one, and I could say, Hey, read Romans nine, read Ephesians one, and let's sit down, let's have some lunch, let's talk about it, and let's see. You know, let's see what we, what, where, we, where we can go with that conversation. But I found that baptism wasn't so easy. It wasn't just one passage or, you know, or two passages that I could give someone and have that conversation. It was much more yeah. uh, protracted conversation.
2: Yeah, it's not one of those uh, conversations that you can give a, an adequate explanation in, in 30 seconds or, or even a couple of minutes. It's, it's kind of That's one of those exactly right. you really need to flesh out.
1: Is it easier now that you have the book? So if they ask you, you can just <laughs> hand them the book on the <laughs> way out of church? Well,
3: that was actually part of the, the, the genesis of the book itself because I, I was looking for something that I could put into people's hands mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, when they had a question. And I just found that either the materials that were out there were too much Or they were not enough Mm. and uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to take up the issue of history I wanted to look specifically at what the Bible taught and try to make a biblical argument not only for uh, why we baptize children but also for all the other Uh, various questions that would be associated with baptism uh, in general.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about how oftentimes it's not the explicit teaching of various passages, but their obvious implications that help us get a clear understanding of Christian doctrine and theology?
3: Yeah, I think that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, in, in, in particular, as, as in terms of how that applies to baptism, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so hard. You can't just give one or two passages. Instead, what you're looking at is you're looking at the whole of the scriptures and you're looking at not so much explicit teaching, but really kind of implicit um, consequences, if you will, that we draw out uh, from from passages, and uh, I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. You know, I, I think if you look at Matthew chapter 22, uh, the passage where Jesus is interacting with the Sadducees, and they come to him with this um, this scenario that that a man is is married, he dies, his brothers all marry her in turn, and and uh, so in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? and jesus responds in a way that is i think really beautiful he he says you know you're wrong you don't know your scriptures and you don't know the power of god Mm -hmm. you know they were denying the resurrection as sadducees so obviously they they were they were denying the power of god because all that's required for the resurrection to be real to 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 be true is for god to be god right uh, and so they were denying the power of God. But they are also, Jesus said, they didn't know their scriptures. And he goes on, he cites uh, from Exodus chapter 3, where in the burning bush, God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, he is the God of the living, Jesus says, not of the dead. Hmm. So Jesus' whole point seems to be based on the an implication of that passage Which in his mind is the tense of the verb, the to be verb, I am the God, not I was the God. Because when he was speaking to Moses in the burning bush, uh, Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob were already dead. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Jesus' point seems to be that god doesn't tell moses i was the god of abraham isaac and jacob but i am Hmm. present tense saying they're very much still alive sure so Hmm. based on that one implication jesus is telling the sadducees they should have known that there was a resurrection and they should never have been denying it therefore he says they don't know their scriptures because the implication of exodus chapter 3 the tense of that verb even the implication is there is a resurrection. Hmm. Okay. That's great. And so I think, I think when we, 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 can, we can then take the next step and say, if Jesus does that, then when you and I take good, what we might call good and necessary consequences from a passage of Scripture, uh, good and necessary implications, we're standing on good and reliable uh, theological ground.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And, and besides baptism... Um, since we're, we're obviously doesn't explicitly teach to baptize infants, but what other Christian doctrine um, do we derive it from just implication of, of Scripture?
3: Yeah, there's a good number of, of doctrines that would fall into that category, but the one that I think is most familiar to all of us would be the Trinity. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, there, there's not one passage of Scripture we can turn to that says, you know, this is what god is you know he is three persons and he is uh, uh in one being and and this is what that means this is what i mean by oneness and this is what i mean by threeness uh and as we all know the word trinity doesn't even occur in the scriptures uh so so all of our teaching of the trinity although we would all i, I hope and i think we all would affirm that the trinity is a biblical doctrine uh, it does not come from one or two passages that that give us a full orbed presentation of that doctrine rather it's coming from the implicit if you will teaching of many passages over the course of the scriptures
1: Mm. yeah Yeah. and just to assure you that we all all here at this table are trinitarians (laughs)
4: yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) so doctor for our uh listening audience uh our new believers uh that might be listening to uh our 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 show here what is baptism if you can go ahead and find that for Mm. us
3: yeah, that's a, that's a that's a question that I, I think I would define like this. I would say that baptism is a, a rite, I would even be willing to say a ceremony of cleansing or washing, washing or cleansing with water that is commanded by Jesus as a sign and seal of the inward washing that we experience as part of the Christian life. It's an outward cleansing with water. Um that is a picture of, a sign and a seal of, the inward washing of all of our sins and the righteousness that is ours uh, in the sight of God by faith alone. Mm.
1: Mm. That's great. And does baptism mean immersion, uh, Doctor? Well,
3: um, I think think at times it it does, Mm. but I think in terms of the word itself, um, you know, because one of the Baptist arguments, one of our, you know, some of our brothers and sisters that would believe in a, in a credo uh, position, uh, many of them will argue that the word baptizo, the word itself in the original Greek, actually means immersion. So that if we are not in practicing immersion, if we're not baptizing by way of immersion, then we're not really baptizing. Whatever it is we're doing, we may be getting their their foreheads wet or something like that, but we're really not baptizing. So. Uh, in terms of that particular point, what I would say is uh, there there are times when the the word group uh, baptizo word group may well mean immersion, but I do not think that is the the underlying meaning of the word group uh, the baptizo word group. Uh, it does mean other things. We can't say it only means immersion, and if it doesn't only mean immersion, then we can't say that is its fundamental meaning. Mm. Uh, and I would say, really, uh, there are many passages we can point to that would that would undercut that argument that says that that baptism must mean immersion. Uh, and but one of them, I think, that is clearest, is Acts chapter two. In hmm. uh, Acts chapter two is obviously the uh, Pentecost event, uh, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and uh, and even though water is not involved in hmm. this, Jesus Himself calls uh, Acts chapter two the Pentecost event a baptism. Mm. Uh he does so in the gospels uh John you know will say that uh, the one who comes after me will baptize you with with fire right mm. um uh and uh, and Jesus himself in Acts chapter 1 I think it is verse 5 calls the Pentecost event a baptism and so he's using um the the baptizo word group um to refer to this um this action of the holy spirit at Pentecost and really in Acts chapter 2 on about three or four different occasions, that administration of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus calls a baptism is explained to us in terms of what it looks like or how it's characterized. And on those four occasions, it's called a pouring or um, uh, an outpouring, a pouring upon Mm -hmm. or something like that. And so in one sense, this is the only baptism in the scriptures that how it's administered is plainly um laid out for us Hmm.
1: and it's the same greek word right just to get clarified yes
3: in acts chapter one i could look that up in acts chapter one verse five i think it's um it's the it's the noun that's used there not baptizo which is the verb but it's the same word. It's the same word group okay. yeah. in the Gospels. In the Gospels, it may well be Baptizo itself. Okay. Um, but it is the it's the noun. It's either the noun or the verb that's used in both of those two occasions. But it is it's either Baptismos, or um, or it's Baptizo, the verb. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I would also like you to touch on the Old Testament as well, specifically in the Septuagint, in the the ceremonial rites of, of washing, how that word is used just in Leviticus as, as well. Um, and, and again, it kind of emphasizes that it's not just immersion. Um, if you could talk a little bit about that, that, that would be great.
3: Yeah, you know, I think in terms of looking at what baptism is, in terms of the meaning of baptism, I argue in my book that we can say baptism means four or five different things, but... The fundamental meaning, in my opinion, uh, according to the scriptures, is that baptism is a rite of washing or a rite of cleansing. And mm-hmm. and I get that from a number of different ways. One, uh, for one thing, water is used. And, and water uh, is something that we use to wash, to cleanse, to wash uh, outward uh, filth or dirt um, from, from our hands or from our bodies or whatever it may be. Uh, and so because god has instituted water being the element used i think that that obviously tells us that that he intended cleansing or washing to be the fundamental meaning of what's going on behind this 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 Mm right but then when you look at the old testament as you indicate um, there are several passages in the old testament that kind of shed light on that and and how uh, some of these baptisms in the old testament were actually administered in Second Kings chapter 5, uh, Naaman uh, has leprosy. He's the commanding general for the armies of Syria. And Naaman has uh, very successful, obviously, and, and very uh, popular, but he has leprosy. And so he goes to the prophet Elisha and asks to be uh, healed from his, uh, his leprous disease. And, uh, and Elisha tells him to go wash. Uh, I think it's around verse 10 of Second Kings uh, chapter 5, I think it's verse uh, 10, where Elisha says, go wash in the Jordan River seven times, and you will be clean. Hmm. And we're told then a few verses later that Naaman does, he actually goes and he, we're told, he baptizes himself. Hmm in the Jordan River. And so what you've got there is you've got these two uh, words, two different words being used in parallel, wash and baptize. Uh, and if you look at the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, which is called the Septuagint, the Septuagint word used for baptize there in this account in 2 Kings 5 is baptizo. So, uh, so it's the very same word that we're talking about in the New Testament, uh, that, that is the verb to baptize and here we're told that it is a washing Uh, we're not told how that washing happened it could very we know it was in the jordan river it could be that it was a full immersion but it could also be that he stood in the jordan river and he then washed himself using his hand or something and splashing water up upon his body pouring water over himself washed himself that way seven times right we're not sure exactly how that happened because we're not told
0: yeah 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 um And and even for the Baptist argument for the full immersion, they will uh, use um, the when uh, in the Book of Acts when we have uh, one of the apostles and uh, the eunuch go down and then they come back up out of the water. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that and how that in no way. Um, supports the idea of immersion. You kind of compared it to a uh, <laughs> and I really I really liked it the uh, the, the golf and when you play golf, the sand bunker going in right. and out of it. So yeah, <laughs> if you could just talk a little bit about that. I, I like that analogy.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know it's it's hard. You talk to some guys and they'll say um, that it's obvious that the baptisms in the New Testament were immersions. And I usually ask, uh, oh, really, uh, tell, show me why, you know where is it so obvious? Because I think my point is that the baptisms in the New Testament could have been immersions, uh, but they could also have been sprinklings mm-hmm. or pouring out on top of the head while they're standing in the river or whatever it was because we're not told. that. My argument is that the New Testament is silent
4: sure.
3: on the actual mode – of the administration of baptism it could be they were immersions it could be they were not we don't know Uh, but oftentimes people answer that question they say oh you know how do i know they were immersions well because of the prepositions that are used you know so and so jesus went down into the water and came up out of the water and that they 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 say will indicate uh, immersion he went down into the water he was under the water and came up out of the water And, and that may That may indicate an immersion, but it may also indicate that he just went down the bank of the river and stood in the river and then came up out of the river, because that's the language we would use if Jesus was not on the river. He was on the side of the river, and he walked down the bank into the river. That's what we would say. He went down into the river, Sure. and he came up out of the river. So the fact that the prepositions are there don't tell us anything. It doesn't answer the question. It still may have been either way, and we don't know. And so, yeah, I use the illustration of a golf uh, of a golf course and playing golf and and hitting my ball into a sand trap. And when I say, you know, I say, well, if I hit my ball in the sand trap, I go down into the trap to hit it, And then I come back up out of the trap. But I certainly am not meaning to say that I was immersed in the sand. Uh, And hopefully my ball wasn't immersed either because that would make it a whole lot more difficult to get out. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I think it's all about the prepositions. And if you there's actually an account in uh, Acts, I think it's Acts chapter eight, where um, with the the eunuch, as you were saying before, um, where Philip is um, is baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch and we're told that they both went down into the water and both came back up again um uh, or in verse let's see here as i've got it in front of me here verse uh, 38 we're told um, that philip commanded or the unit eunuch commanded the chariot to stop they both went down into the water philip and the eunuch and he baptized him so the idea seems to be that this this seems to indicate that the preposition went down into has nothing at all to do with how the baptism happened right because if the preposition does indicate how the baptism happened then both philip and the eunuch were baptized mm. yeah because and they were both immersed because they both went down into the river but the text says that philip baptized the eunuch so mm-hmm. the eunuch was the only one baptized But yet they both went down Mm -hmm. into the river so so the argument seems to be or the idea seems to be that those prepositions don't tell us anything at all Mm -hmm. about how the baptism happened they simply are referring to the fact that they went down the bank or whatever went down and actually walked into the water and stood in the in the water those baptisms may have been immersions they may not have been immersions but the prepositions don't tell us Uh, which way it was
4: right
2: it's really just a matter of allowing the biblical authors to speak in a way that we would speak and understand and and uh be understood as well you know rather than reading things into it that are not necessarily there yeah it's, it's the normal way of using Using language like we would use prepositions as well.
0: Right. Yeah. And and this was kind of my uh, my transition into becoming a Pado Baptist. I kind of I couldn't no longer hold on to the fact that immersion was the only way to do baptism. Like once I started really getting pressed on the issue, I said, "Well, I can't really hold on to immersion anymore." So at least maybe sprinkling, pouring, like uh, immersion, those are all um, um, uh, legitimate ways of of, right. of, of, mm. of doing baptism. So. Um, and yeah, just to shift gears here now, just kind of, now we got the mode and and what it means now we want to shift to, okay, well now that doesn't mean the baby should be baptized. Yeah. The the,
2: (laughs) the big question we've all been waiting for. Who should be baptized? The million dollar question. The million
0: dollar one. Yeah. Are we
2: talking about adults (laughs) only, believers only, or children? And if children, what children? So if you could just flesh that out a little bit, we'd appreciate it. Sure.
3: Well, I can save us all a lot of time by just simply saying yes. (laughs) (laughs)
2: You heard it here, folks. We
3: are talking about all of that. Now, we do obviously believe that adult believers uh, upon profession of faith are to receive the sign, uh, the outward sign of baptism in the Mm. same way that Abraham, after he believed, he received the outward sign of circumcision. And so I would we we definitely would would acknowledge that. Sure. Uh, and so in one sense, Ouch. the difference w- w- that we have uh, with our our credo uh, brothers and sisters is that we believe everything that they believe, mm. except we believe more. Yeah. Uh, and so you know that that more is what we're trying to look at, and, and what do we what do we base that more on? And uh, and I think what I think what we would say obviously is that. Um, in genesis chapter 17 which is where i would want to go to start you know i've had conversations with a lot of pastors i've had conversations with a lot of people in the churches and they want to say well the household baptisms the the fact that jesus takes the 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 little children in his arms and He blesses them Hmm. those are all things that show that um that that children ought to be baptized ought to be held in high regard in the church today and and, and and I think there's some truth in, in all of that, but I don't think you see that until you see what was going on in Genesis 17. Because my argument is that in Genesis 17, the Jews, beginning with Abraham, were practicing household circumcision. Hmm. Uh, because in Genesis 17, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, you need to circumcise yourself. Uh, and you need to apply circumcision to all of your children at eight days old uh, and to everyone who every male who is in your house whether it's a servant or or whatever it may be every male in your house connected to you as the head of the household you need to circumcise them Mm -hmm. because you believed you're circumcised and everybody in your house is circumcised as well and so you know i think there's no debate Uh, among among any of us about what that about what what is going on there god is obviously telling abraham to administer the outward sign of his covenant to infants at eight days old sure Mm. the question is what does the abrahamic covenant have to do with the new covenant right and what does circumcision have to do with baptism Mm -hmm. and then once we establish that what does the new testament say Because I think once we see that the New Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant are not different covenants, Mm -hmm. but they're same in substance, substantially the same. And once we see that baptism in the New Testament is meant to replace circumcision in the Old, Mm -hmm. then the household baptisms fall right in line with what we would expect given household circumcision in the Old Testament. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So there is continuity between the two covenants, the new covenant just fulfilling the old covenant, as it were, and, and bringing it to completion. And so we see that right. continuity between the, the uh, covenant of circumcision and uh, baptism in the new covenant. And, and there's good reason for us as believers to include our children in that covenant as well.
3: Yeah, I oftentimes tell people if you don't see the connection between the test the New Testament and the Old Testament, if you don't see that connection, that continuity then you're never going to see yeah. mm. uh, the argument for what I would say. I, you know, I don't like infant baptism. I prefer covenant baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think yeah. how, whatever we call it, it really doesn't matter. Right. Um, uh, you know that idea. You're never going to see that unless yeah. you unless you mm. see the continuity between Old and New Testaments. Yeah. 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 I, yeah I, exactly. I, re-
0: I really like that covenant baptism, and I also liked what you said. That how we're How our view is more, not less, because a lot of people will. A a lot of questions that I have gotten is like, "So you just infants? That's it? What about if somebody else comes to saving faith later in life?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, we we want to baptize them as well." So if if you could, you touched on a little bit of it, but if you could kind of explain that a little bit, because I think that's that's another common question that I have
3: gotten. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the the issue that that I would want to take up with my with my my uh, credo brothers and sisters would only would be the word only you know it's not only adult believers that we would baptize mm-hmm. but we but we definitely everything else that our our credo brothers and sisters believe we believe right and so the fact that they turn to the new testament and they see evidence for for baptizing uh, adult believers amen mm-hmm. you know we're we're all in on that too yeah but the question is not about whether adult believers were ever baptized and are are were baptized or are to be baptized, um, we agree wholeheartedly with all of that. The question is, is it only uh, adult believers or is there something more? And if you see the connection between Old and New Testaments and you see the connection between the Abrahamic uh, covenant and the New Covenant, and you see the connection between circumcision and baptism, then obviously it makes sense for us to say it's it's both and, sure. that Abraham believed, and he was baptized, and his children were, I mean, excuse me, Abraham believed, and he was circumcised, uh, and his children were circumcised, looking for the time when they would believe.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah that's very good.
0: Yeah, and I, I would like for you to speak a little bit also on uh, the the word household, uh, and, and just kind of the, the usage of that, especially within a Jewish context, and, and how that would be understood? Because I think that's a, a, an even more significant point to, to make, especially if you're going to really tie that covenantal aspect together.
3: Yeah, you know, I think, I think we're, we're, what we're talking about here is that the writers of the New Testament, and not only that, but the audience, the, the, the by and large the readership of the, of the New Testament, these were jews these were you know coming out of the jewish culture they had obviously become followers of christ but they were jewish christians and these were individuals you look back at the apostles these were all individuals who had been circumcised at eight days old Mm -hmm. they had been recipients of and more than likely uh, in the event that they had children we know that peter was married don't know whether or not he had children. Uh, it's not explicitly stated to us in the New Testament, but we know he was married. Um, so if he had children, uh, and there are some that argue based upon certain passages of the Scriptures that they did have children. In fact, I was reading some of the early church fathers in Acts chapter 1 when we're told that they're gathered in the upper room and all of the apostles are there with the women. Uh, I've read There were many church fathers who believed that what was gathered there in the upper room was the apostles, their wives, and their children. Um, so if that's true, I mean, if so if there were children, then not only would the apostles all have been recipients of household circumcision, but they would have been practicers, practicers of household baptism as well, hmm. for they would have had their children circumcised, I think I said baptism, uh, circumcised at eight days old sure. uh, as well. And so you've got these men who come out of this context speaking into a context where they all were they understood household circumcision and for um for you know for for them to start writing about household baptism you know uh, lydia uh, believes and she and her whole household are baptized you know the jew would have said absolutely
2: yeah yeah of course. It would have been natural.
3: Is there any is there any is there any anything else any other way we should look at that? Sure. You know, they've been practicing household if you will religion, yeah. uh the application of the outward sign to the whole household ever since Abraham.
2: Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would yeah. have been a natural continuation. Can you That's right. just switching gears a little bit. Can you talk a little bit uh, Dr. Richard about uh, the difference between Roman the Roman Catholic understanding of baptism and the Protestant understanding of infant baptism, because um, we get a lot of that in our context, because it is so um, overwhelmingly uh, Roman Catholic in our part of the, uh, the country. And so if you could talk a little bit about that comparison, about what we're talking about with regards to infant baptism, how that compares to Roman Catholicism.
3: Right, and there's a lot we could say about that. Uh, I think uh, sure. I would quit I would just say we could briefly do another show that, on that. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Um, that by and large, the Roman Catholic Church looks at baptism as the first step, if you will, in the process of justification. Mm-hmm. They believe justification, uh, which is um, the process for them, it's a process. For us, we believe it's a one-time event. Um, but they believe that the justification is a process whereby you gain acceptance in god's sight mm-hmm. the reformation by and large was fought over that 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 issue mm-hmm. at at the very heart and, and center of the reformation was that issue no we're not justified over the course of life we're justified by faith alone in christ alone um you know and, and so it's, it's a one-time event and we can be accepted in god's sight sure forevermore uh through faith in christ mm-hmm. but the roman catholic church looks at that process looks at justification uh, as a process beginning with baptism mm-hmm. and ending with last rites uh, or, you know, so it's a process whereby we go through the seven sacraments of the church. It's a process by which we go through all of these things. And only when we uh, have done all of those things uh, can we um, have any kind of assurance that we are accepted by God. Sure. And so in that sense, justification, oh, excuse me, baptism is the first step. Sure in in our justification
2: so yeah. there's a regenerative aspect in there as well which is in contrast to our belief as uh, as protestants that uh, that's correct baptism does not regenerate
3: yeah no. that's right it's it's part of the it's part of how we gain acceptance in god's sight for the roman catholic right whereas for you and me it has nothing to do with how we find our acceptance uh that is by faith uh, in Christ alone.
2: Sure,
0: sure. Yeah. yeah, and and I also would like to touch on this. I know it's not the argument, but I think there's something to be said. And I remember when I was studying baptism and came to Pato, the one thing that I noticed really quick, one, was that a lot of my favorite theologians held to Pato baptism. John Calvin, R.C. Sproul, surprised me <laughs> when I was first coming <laughs> to Reformed Theology, um, uh, John Owen, and a lot of these guys, and I slowly started to realize I think credo-baptism, the the idea that only adults, believers get baptized, that's fairly a new um, uh, practice in terms of church history, am I correct?
3: Well, um, in terms of when it was articulated, yes. You know in terms of uh it really began to be articulated during the reformation and the anabaptist uh, okay. strain that came out of the out of the reformation so in that sense it's a 16th century uh phenomenon okay. but the idea is um that those who adhere to uh, credo baptist position certainly want to trace it back much further than that so okay. so for me to say or for, for us to say that credo baptism uh, came on the scene in the 16th century that would not be what our credo baptist brothers and sisters believe
4: sure. um,
3: yeah. right they, they would say oh no 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 it goes back into the early church and you can see evidence for adult bapt adults being baptized by immersion and they would even argue if you go back into early, early church um, they would argue that that evidence is overwhelmingly in favor of adult only uh, baptism by immersion
2: sure All right. All right. Going back to the uh, baptism of believers only, you say in your book that our brothers and sisters who believe baptism ought to be applied only to believers have a few objections that they must deal with as well, objections that not only seem to call their views into question, but that seem to support the position of covenant baptism argued for in this book. So can you uh, outline a couple of those objections that they must deal with as well?
3: yeah yeah you know i think some of these things are are obviously uh, some of these are arguments from silence or they're a little less explicit uh, arguments um, but i think they're very there's there's something to to these ideas you know the first uh, first thing i would say is that given the fact that these these apostles who are writing our new testament who are preaching and teaching and establishing the church these men were all Uh, recipients of household circumcision Hmm. and they were speaking into culture i mean pentecost happened within a jewish culture and everyone there who was there on the day of pentecost would have been uh, a practicer of household circumcision sure their children would have been circumcised at eight days old Hmm. in order to be a good jew and so if it's true that on 8 if you will at 8:59 in the morning on the day of Pentecost mm. children were still considered to be members of the covenant community but then when the holy spirit's poured out at Pentecost at 9:01 a.m. now they're removed from the covenant and and now they're they're out of the covenant until they they profess faith in Christ for themselves right then you would expect For there to be some kind of a a controversy right someone surely somewhere along the lines would have said oh i've got a question you know (laughs) you know wait a minute um uh, my child was was a covenant child before now they're there's they're not right right. my child could say you know could call god father before at 859 now they can't call god father because they're a pagan right Mm -hmm. um you know and so you would expect for something that significant um, to be some kind of an, a controversy, some kind of a question in sure. the New Testament, and yet we don't see anything uh, like that. And I know that's an argument from silence, as sure. I said, mm. but but it's a it, it's it certainly does speak volumes because yeah. this is a this is a significant change exactly. On something that would have been Jewish practice ever since the days of Abraham,
2: you would think there would so, have been a council or something called if that. That's would have been,
3: exactly right. Yeah. yeah, there was over circumcision. Whether yeah. circumcision should continue, mm-hmm. you know, doing away with circumcision. But what about doing away with circumcision of children? Right. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, surely that would have would have been part of it too. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet we see nothing of that. And and then the second thing I would say is that there seems to be a principle of expansion. When we go from Old Testament to New Testament, you know, you think about it, and in one sense, I think I say something about this in the book, that you know, if you've ever talked to to Christians that, that may not be as theologically grounded um, <clears throat> or they may be relatively new to the faith, or something like that. They mm-hmm. they understand this principle of expansion. Sure. They they may not know how to express it, and so what they'll say is, "Well, the Old Testament's law and the New Testament's grace."
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Okay. Where obviously we would want to say, "Well, there's grace in the in the Old Testament too. Sure. There's mm-hmm. continuity there, and there's law in mm-hmm. the New Testament." Sure. You know. So, but but that idea is something that people Christians are picking up on. They're seeing it that the, the Old Testament was law the new testament's grace in other words there's an expansion that's happening from old testament to new testament the the old testament was uh the the jews were god's people sure. and now in the new testament uh, god's covenant has been expanded to include jew and gentile yeah. you know men women children from every tribe tongue nation and people and so you've got this principle of expansion that we see when we move from old testament to new testament mm-hmm. and the problem is one of the problems that i see with our credo brothers and sisters is that they turn that principle of expansion around mm. and they they actually uh, move when you move from old testament to new testament it's no longer expansive but now children are being cut out right uh, we would expect for that to that in the new testament we would expect for that for 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 whatever god's doing to be more expansive and they want to tell us well no actually now, children have always been a part of the covenant, and now they're being removed.
2: Right. And, hmm. Yeah. Good and point. so
3: that that whole theology works against the flow of Old Testament to New Testament.
2: Yes.
4: Yeah,
3: um, and there's this idea of expansion. Like I said, that they just that just it, to me that's one of the most convincing arguments against the credo position. Uh, whereas if you look at the our position uh, a paido or a covenant baptism position we say we still have expansion because children are included in the old testament but it's only the male child that receives the outward sign Mm -hmm. and so now in the new testament god has expanded that and now men and women both receive this outward sign. And so you have this principle of expansion uh, yeah. as well and in, 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 in as we move from from Old to New Testaments. Yeah.
1: Dr. As uh, we land this plane here uh, soon, um, what would you say to our cradle brothers uh, as myself, uh, uh, them listening to this podcast for the first time and have questions and 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 probably are are feeling uneasy about this, you know. Just you know, for encouragement, you know, as, as us uh, cradle uh uh cradle Baptists. Baptist,
4: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. You know, I think that's a great question, and the reason I wrote the book is because I was tired of seeing baptism be something that divides christians Mm -hmm. and i wanted us to 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 get past that uh that divisiveness and i Mm -hmm. want us to kind of break down some of those walls and and to acknowledge whatever we believe on baptism you know that that we're coming we're trying to come to the scriptures and we're trying to wrestle with what the bible teaches and And we need to respect that in each other Mm -hmm. you know and 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 not be not divide over this you know the reason that I'm convinced that that covenant baptism is appropriate is because I believe the Bible teaches that Mm -hmm. you know but I know my credo brothers and sisters they believe what they believe because they believe the Bible teaches that too and so I want to respect that and honor that you know and I think as long as we both can treat each other that way and say you know what we're wrestling with what the Bible teaches and I used to tell my congregation that all the time in one sense I don't you know I don't want you to believe what I believe yeah I want you to wrestle with the scriptures
4: hmm.
3: I want you to prayerfully meditatively wrestle with the scriptures use history use you know the best that we have in our own day teachers and the rest uh, use the resources we've got wrestle with the scriptures come to the your your conclusions on what you think the Bible is teaching in whatever area we're talking about and hold to that you know that's what i want people to do is to wrestle with the scriptures for themselves and to think through the issues rather than just kind of taking you know taking for granted well this is what our church teaches or this is what my mom taught or you know whatever uh we need to wrestle with it for ourselves and i think that's what would be my my point to our baptist brothers and sisters and is that you know i i'm not trying to i'm not necessarily trying to convince anyone uh, of what we what i believe but i am trying to say hey there's a biblical argument to be made here Mm -hmm. and let me let me give you that biblical argument i think i think a lot of our baptist brothers and sisters have never heard a good biblical argument for covenant baptism right yeah and so that's part of what i want to do is just be able to say hey look guys i can we can make a good biblical argument and so here look at this you don't need to be convinced by it but at least appreciate that and acknowledge that, and let's and let's move forward together, whatever we believe.
2: Right. Yeah. Good and point.
1: That's, and that's awesome that you know even amongst ourselves here at Bridge, we were always having this discussion, and we're always taking it to Scripture. Yeah. And and I know that Julio and Steve uh, are my brothers, and I love them to death.
2: And yeah. we we have we have these uh, disagreements, but we are united and Amen. true. And
3: Absolutely.
2: And, Speaking of being united and what the Bible teaches as we come to the end of this this podcast would you please share the gospel with our listeners dr. Richard and uh, Just tell them what the the good news of, of God's Word tells us with regards to Jesus Christ
3: Amen Yeah, I would say that the good news is that God loved the world In this way that he sent his son into the world uh, to live a perfect life to die a death that was substitutionary it was in the place of Hmm. all who would repent who would turn from their sins and place their faith in Christ uh, as he's offered in the gospel and for all who do that uh, we have the promise that our sins uh, will be uh, removed will be forgiven and that we will be accepted In the sight of God forevermore.
2: Amen.
0: Amen. 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 That's the good news. And you could get Dr. Richard, or Dr. Guy Richard, Richard. a book on baptism, uh, Answers to Common Questions here at Bridge Ministries, if you're in the location, or you could go to Amazon. We actually now have in the description of the podcast, an Amazon Smile link. So you could click there, and then it will already have you under uh, the Bridge category. You want to talk about that, Steve, a little bit? What what, uh, Amazon Smile is?
2: Yeah. So if you order on Amazon, uh, just go through... uh, smile.amazon.com and then uh, look up Bridge Ministries mm-hmm. as uh, your ministry of choice, then we just get a small percentage of your purchase. It doesn't yeah. cost you any more. We just get a percentage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you go pick up uh, uh, this excellent book. Thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Richard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get used to saying that.
3: It definitely <laughs> is an adjustment.
1: I'm like, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah. And where can we find you, doctor?
3: Uh, you can get me on, um, you can follow me on Twitter. I think it's my uh, Guy M Richard uh, spelled like Richard uh, or if I'm on Facebook, I am, my email address is first name first initial last name and uh at @rts.edu and um, if you're in the Atlanta area come see me. All right. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. If, we're awesome. there, if we're ever
0: yeah. there if we're ever there we're we're going to do lunch with you man. <laughs> we take you. we can take great. you up on it.
3: <laughs> That'd be great. great. We'd love that. We'd awesome. love that.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on.
3: Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it, guys.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that is a wrap. If you would like to know more about Bridge Ministries... You could uh, go to our website at www.bridgemendlaredo.org, and you can find more information about us. We are a, in this order, by the way, in this order, we are <laughs> a, <laughs> in this order, we are a bookstore, Reformed Christian bookstore. we nonprofit. We're a teaching ministry, and we are a coffee shop That's the best coffee in Texas. I'm, I'm, I guarantee that. Right, right, Abe.
2: Yes, I love your bold statements. We are. I'm, I'm going with the it. best Reformed coffee you can find anywhere. Yes. Yes, the best
0: Reformed <laughs> coffee you can find anywhere. Anyway guys uh please like and share this podcast i know you're listening to it please hit that subscribe button please share it with family friends and and uh, spread it all around we have an international audience and uh, you can also to check out a lot of the other podcasts that we've done i think this is episode number 30 not 32 uh 83 sorry <laughs> yeah so we got 82 more podcasts that you can go listen to and we got more of them coming Uh, talking all about a bunch of theological topics and and goodness and getting more authors. Uh, But if you would like even another topic or a subject, please send us an email. You can email me at juliobridgeman at gmail.com. And, uh, oh, yeah, and book giving. Book giving. If you want to donate your books, if you got books, if you got like a bunch of them that you don't want to use, you can just send them our way. What, 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 What do you want them to do,
2: Steve? Yeah, I mean, if you have uh, books in your library that are just collecting dust, we we take donations because we are a, a nonprofit ministry. Our aim is to just make these resources available to people as inexpensively as possible, mm-hmm. and uh, so you can check out our uh, shipping information um, on our website. And uh, we just appreciate uh, you know you considering us for books that are on your shelf that uh, that you're not using anymore yeah, or if you have us. yeah if you have uh, Bibles you know that are mm-hmm. gently, gently used use, yeah gently G- used gently Bibles use Bible. we can always use them so uh, we appreciate it yeah,
0: yeah. even some Joel Olstein sent it to us we'll use it for our stop fire stop it for our fire uh, for our fire for December <laughs> oh, yes. or our, our book oh, yeah. whenever we have our little Christmas season we just throw them in there I'm just
2: kidding <laughs> anyway carne asada. Yeah. yes carne asada
1: yes
0: <laughs> we're even mm-hmm. eating meat and it's oh it tastes like heresy <laughs> What's
4: going on here right.
2: <laughs>
0: anyway uh and also too if you would like to support us please visit our website hit the giving tab also too in the podcast description we have a uh, a link there just click it it'll send you right to it uh and you can give to us monthly or one time anything helps to support us just keep pushing forward the kingdom of god and our bible studies conferences in this podcast so anyway uh we always end it with this what is the only comfort in life and
2: death that i am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior jesus christ See you on the next one, guys. Later.